0: Hello, and welcome to Back is Your Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about an older comic book storyline. In this Back Issue Spotlight, I am joined by James, and we're going to be discussing Multiversity. We're doing the last third of it, which has Masterman number one, Ultra Comics number one, and Multiversity number two. James, how are you doing tonight? Great. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. Now, I read all this stuff back when it first came out, and I had a little memory of these three coming into it, and some of these issues of Multiversity out of the nine I've liked, some of them not so much and it had a better batting average at the beginning than here at the end
1: I would agree I think they went 1 for 3 at the end
0: <laughs> Okay yeah uh, you liked it a little better than I did maybe <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: They my. went 0 for 3 for you
0: <laughs> Almost almost I mean with Masterman I mean I like the Freedom Fighters I mean I read the yeah. the series in the 70s not when it was coming out but after the fact and this one suffered a little from comparison and it suffered a little from just its opening
1: yeah, I w- I would agree. Yeah, the the opening. I figure you wouldn't like that. You get Hitler on the toilet with a Superman comic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you're just trying to shock us. Wow, how how outrageous. Yeah, I was like, okay, what are we doing here?
1: <laughs> but see, I, now the reason why I think I like this one more than the other two, I'm a Freedom Fighters fan. I like the Earth Ten concept, and it's not that I like the concept of the you know the the Reich One or whatever it's it. I like that World War II setting and that alternative history. I'm a big history buff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they even have that uh, TV series on Amazon. I think I think it was on Amazon where it's called um, The Man in the High Tower. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just love that series. I thought it was terrific. And it, it's almost directly a riff off this or this was a riff off that. I don't know which one came first, but it, they're just fantastic. So that kind of skewed. My liking of the material going into it because it's right up my alley and I'm like, man, this is something I can really dig. The only question that I always had about the Freedom Fighters, it's like, why do, why do we go with this Uncle Sam character? We make him look so frail and old. <laughs> they try to give him some muscle mass, but I'm like, there's got to be some much more manly men who can represent <laughs> the resistance of this old guy in a top hat.
0: Well, they're going for the, the classic Americana aspect. Yeah, And The Freedom Fighters comic, if I recall correctly, came out right around 1976, so the Bicentennial. Uh, That makes sense. Okay, 1976. Not that that was when the characters first showed up, but that's at least when the 15-issue series came out. At some point, I think we ought to see if that's been collected, because that's a World War II-era type thing. I think we'll hit your sweet spot there. The other thing that I think would be fun to read at some point would be some of the All-Star Squadron stuff. I would
1: probably enjoy that, too, because, yeah, that, that's definitely stuff that I enjoyed. It, and it goes back to that, one, history thing, and two, nostalgia thing, because, you know, when we go back to our comic origins, we did that mm. a little while back. One thing I do remember is, like, going to, when I went to the first comic shop, you know, the shop shop, you know, going through, like, the GI Combat comics, mm. and I just thought they were fantastic. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing, because I liked history, you know, it's like, it, the Wars, you know, Civil War stuff, the Roman mm-hmm. centurions, and now I'm like, oh, World War II, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, just
0: me. Well, when I was getting into comics, there were a lot of war comics. I didn't really gravitate towards them. I picked up the occasional issue of Weird War Tales, which had like the yeah. GI robot or the creature commandos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was some cool stuff. And if we do get around, which I, I hope we do, the JLA-JSA crossovers, one of them definitely has, I think, the Freedom Fighters in it pretty sure I'd have, maybe I'm confusing I know it's there's one with the seven soldiers of victory and I'm absolutely positive there's one with the All-Star squadron because that's one of my favorite uh, JLA crossovers. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Part of where this suffered though is as much as I love those characters, yeah, these were new versions and a lot of them other than Uncle Sam aren't really explored. I mean, we've got one shot where we get them introduced. Yep. But they don't get named. I mean, we get the Human Bomb but when we actually get the rest of the Freedom Fighters, we get a little better introduction of Doll Man and Doll Woman. But the others of Ray, Phantom Lady, and I'm presuming that's Black Condor—they don't even name
1: exactly. I, I, when I was reading this, I wasn't recognizing a lot of the characters that I had read in another Freedom Fighters comic. I was like, okay, this is different. I'm like, is this the origin of it? They're trying to be like, what, what's going on here? But. I got that vibe too. Uncle Sam was like the main character that we all recognized, mm-hmm. and the uh, the others I was just kind of a little bit lost. I mean, it was cool that it was there, but the resistance was kind of just starting. It didn't really happen.
0: Well, what was funny with this issue is I felt it was an origin story in a number of different ways. Yeah, we get the origin kind of sort of of Superman of this world. Correct. We get kind of why the Allies lost the war. Yep. We jump forward 60 years. We get to a major turning point. We kind of sort of get the origin of the Freedom Fighters, but I felt it was a little glossed over. It was
1: completely glossed over. I agree with you on that.
0: All of this was setting things up, and I didn't really feel it had payoff. I would agree. It
1: left you wanting or wondering and curious and feeling like we didn't get a whole story. Yeah. Uh, Instead of giving us a Freedom Fighters Earth 10, it start, this is where it was started to get meta with, oh, Ultra is aware and, you know, made from cellulose and this and that. And you're like, what the heck is this? You know, it, he, he has almost a um, the, the gem in his head. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm skipping
0: ahead. I'm skipping you're ahead. ahead. That's, That's the next one. I'm, sk- I'm skipping ahead. That's the next one. <laughs> I apologize. Well, it's funny because I do think that the Thunderworld Adventures was a turning point. Yeah. Because in the guidebook, we had a few things carrying over like the savannas and stuff. And then when we get here in uh, Masterman, yeah, we do have a savanna who's basically selling them parallel world technology. Yep. And I thought that was, was interesting and it started to tie stuff together. But it also kind of lost me in terms of that bigger picture as well. Because when you go back towards the beginning, and before we do the 60-year the jump, okay, we've gotten towards Superman and his rocket and stuff. Hitler, because he's just read a Superman comic, puts two and two together.
1: Oh, this is the guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but then there's a comic of the American Crusader. Yes. And I'm like, okay, that's clearly a Captain America riff. Even the shield looks like the original cap, the shape. Yeah, it's more almost the bad shape or triangular shape or whatever. Yeah. You know. But what's interesting is that character of the American Crusader, I don't think was in the guidebook anywhere. Yeah,
1: it, weird. I agree with you. I don't remember seeing that character in there. So yeah, what is
0: that about? So why didn't they use one of the two or three Captain America archetypes they'd already, you know, established in the series?
1: Very true. He did try to I don't know, tip his the cat or something at, did you get the Crisis on Infinite Earths, the, uh, holding the Uber woman, I guess it would be called.
0: Oh, yeah. When Overgirl dies. Overgirl. Overgirl. I'm calling him Uber. Sorry. Yeah. Overgirl. That, that was reminiscent of, of Crisis. And we get some other stuff in, maybe it was Multiversity 2, where they're kind of, yeah. you know, every world's in crisis or something like that. There's like subtle nods to it. But, you know, overall,
1: this world was really cool. I,
0: it's something that
1: I would like, but it's like we just got a sampling of it. And then they jump forward, like you said, in time to where they get to that eagle's nest and they're kind of floating in in space. Mm -hmm. And you get all those characters lined up, but you weren't really introduced. You're seeing like a Nazi version of the Green Lantern, a Nazi Aquaman, I'm assuming. And I guess everyone becomes a Nazi, including Batman, but very weird.
0: Yeah, but they're talking about the morality of their past actions, making it seem like They've done bad things very clearly from you know what they apparently jumped over in the sixty years. Yeah. But are regretting it, so they're not all bad. Yeah, you we're know, we're bad, but we're not that bad. Our origin well, was bad. Well, they're Nazis but the, the quote unquote good Nazis, as if such a thing can exist.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're not the SS, we're just the regular
0: German army. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It was confused again, we get a red tornado here and I'm like, and yeah. what's his deal? Just there. <laughs> yeah.
1: We, we, we don't hear from him. He doesn't do anything. It's like, okay, he's just a figure.
0: Now, if they wanted to tell an interesting story with this world, what I would do is a crossover with, I forget which Earth it was, that's the very non-Aryan world. Yeah. Where it's essentially all the the black characters and such. That would be cool. I I would be completely on board for it. I think I think that'd be a fun read. It could be very interesting in in the right hands. Yeah. In the wrong I, hands it would be atrocious and horrific. See, I I think this is a world where I'd like to read the
1: origin of the freedom fighters and how they, you know, stood up and how I don't think this has ever ended. It's still in peril. The you know, the fight's still going on from every book I've seen, even when I can't remember the book I read. I think it was Venditti wrote uh Freedom Fighters. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So the fight's still ongoing. I don't know if the Freedom Fighters are going to win one day. We just it, – it's something that they just dabble in every now and then, and the status quo never changes.
0: Well, I think the minute they win, the the premise of their world ceases to be. So it has to stay this way. It doesn't it have was, to, but it's it's hard to follow up if if suddenly the Allies eventually win.
1: Yeah, then it's basically just our Earth, well, pretty much. I mean, well, with, well, all, it's with all this
0: history. <laughs> it's, it's got all the history different, but then the story comes into – the fourth Reich, the fifth Reich, the eighteenth Reich is is cropping back up. Yeah, you know it's it's kind of what the current Star Wars dilemma is. Sure, the rebels defeated the Empire, but then comes the First Order, and what's going to come after that? It's like the the war is never truly won.
1: Yeah, I agree. This, this this story though gives me the if people like the man in the high castle, this is the Earth that they want to revisit from time to time and read a story out of it. Venditti, like I said, we, he just did one like three or four years back. We we read it, I remember. Mm-hmm. I think we reviewed it.
0: I can't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we talked about it in at least the weekly comic spotlight. I think we did. I think it was the weekly spotlight yeah. that we enjoyed it. and
1: I thought it was a terrific story, and this just harkens back to that, so it's like a sweet thing. Even though, like you said, the story, there's holes in here. We don't get a lot of development of the characters. Just not enough time. It focused more on Hitler and Overman aspect, almost like a little bit of a t- attempted redemption. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and then we zoom off to where I started talking about the other guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I felt they they didn't really hit the the part of the story I wanted them to hit. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if, if, if you're doing a world that's based on Earth X, which is the Freedom Fighter world, focus on the Freedom Fighters, not a, a Nazi version of the Justice League. Yeah, this was definitely, it felt like, 85% Nazi,
1: <laughs> yeah. 15% Freedom Fighters. So it's Earth-X, definitely not a Freedom Fighter story, though.
0: Yeah. I just checked, and they do not have on DC Universe Infinite, at least as far as I can find it, the original Freedom Fighter series from the 70s. That's unfortunate. We'll have to see if that's like in trade or something like that, because I think that would be good. And Roy Thomas did a lot of stuff in the World War II era at Marvel, DC, and a few other publishers.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'd read any of that. Oh, yeah. It's some fun stuff. Uh, Roy was just a – he was a terrific and prolific writer. Uh, Oh, yeah. uh, I love Roy Thomas. Anything he – not anything, but most of what he writes is pretty good.
0: (laughs) Well, and there was a period of time where he was the the definitive writer on Earth 2.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was a long period.
0: Yeah. I mean, this one didn't start out great, and it ended on a note of, you know, devastation and this is only the beginning, which fine, but maybe, you know, do something with it later.
1: Yeah. He definitely took a different tact. I felt like he wanted to do an evil Superman story. He didn't want to do a Freedom Fighter story when he got to this earth.
0: Yeah. And, And that's what he gave us. And I'd have to go check the Freedom Fighter miniseries we got in, I guess, 2018, which was a few years after this, to see how much they really used this continuity, if at all.
1: I remember the story but I, you know, it's lost to you know time what yeah. exactly happened.
0: Yeah, I I remember it was good. I just don't remember the details. Me too. And the art here was done by Jim Lee.
1: Jim Lee. Yeah, and that the art here was just terrific. That was
0: definitely a high point too. It's not I think his best work. It's not his best but it's pretty good. He's certainly a great artist, no question, but like on that last page, it's not like there's a whole lot of detail in the background or any of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you there. You get to the last page, yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, just a blob of a Beastland apocalypse.
0: I mean, there are some other places where we get some great stuff. Certainly the the character designs and whatnot are, are pretty cool. So, again, not bad, but... Not his best. Not his best, and honestly could have been better. Yeah. Now, this next one... Ultra comic. <laughs> oh, yeah, ultra comics. This is where I'm like, he's he took some mushrooms or smoked something when he wrote this. Uh, metatextual usually doesn't work for me uh, this, this was no different yeah, I mean, right there on the cover you must not read the comic so I, I took them at their word and just stopped no I'm kidding I should have <laughs> but I didn't I returned it to the uh, to the comic shop I'm not reading this <laughs> yeah I felt this got not just metatextual but almost meta metatextual It just too much of that and it wasn't working for me
1: it was insane it got trippy and I I'm assuming some people who are hardcore fans of Morrison, they like this stuff. Maybe, maybe I don't know if he does this in other books he writes, but this was just out there, weird. I mean, you get the the Rainbow Guy Ultra Man popping up, and he's like, "I smell of, or my body is made from cellulose pulp, salt water, and carbon." I'm like, "Oh my god, titanium dioxide wax emulsion." And then you start realizing you're like, oh, these are all the things, the staples of my spine. I'm like, oh, yeah. he's a walking comic book. Oh my god.
0: Well, yeah, because his name is not Ultra Man, it's Ultra Comics.
1: Yeah, Ultra Comics. That's right, Ultra Comics. <laughs> and it's just weirder from there. Just weird.
0: Well, and then when they kind of recap I don't say his his origin, but we get stuff of him from different periods in time evocative of those eras. I mean we even get a him with, I guess, Ultra Comics Girl or whatever having died. Yeah. You know, and some stuff like that.
1: Is there anyone in DC that has a gem in their forehead, like the Vision, because they put the Ultra Gem in his head? And I'm just like, okay, that looks like a bit the Vision, but I don't know if there's a DC character that does that.
0: Sargon has one in his turban, I think, maybe. Okay. Or maybe I'm confusing him with another one of the mages. But Sargon the Sorcerer, I thought, is the one with the the ruby. The gem or whatever, and I want to say some of Saturn, but I'm pretty sure he does not. Okay. That was a character that was going to be the Martian ha- Manhunter, but they said, no, let's not, so let's move him to Saturn and change him from green to red.
1: I kept seeing him flying around. I'm like, this is a cross between Superman and the vision, because <laughs> 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 you keep seeing that gem in his head. It's weird.
0: Well, and the vision certainly is a good word for this, because somebody was having visions. Yes, they were. <laughs> Someone took too much of something <laughs> when they were writing this. This was just weird. That's the only way you can
1: describe it, and completely meta and bizarre, and the more you read it, the weirder it got. Yeah, That's the only way to describe it. The balloons make me look dated, and so, oh, let me tell in these little word boxes, you know, was one of those things, you know? I'm like,
0: yeah. What? The mentioning thought balloons and going to first-person narrative captions, it's like, okay, you're very much referencing the format of a comic, and they did that in a few other places, both later here, and also in Multiversity Number 2. Yeah. And I just found that so off-putting. Yeah, it takes you out of the story quite a bit. Now, there are some people who just eat this stuff up and love it, and that's great. I'm happy for them. I'm just not one of them.
1: I agree. I'm not not one of them either. Now, now, what did you think of the guy, Ultra A or Ultra? (laughs) I don't know
0: which one. (laughs) Well, when we got to the point, of allow me to introduce myself and all of us are called Ultra. It's like, oh god. I recognized Ultra the multi-alien and then the other guy was I think the original Ultra who was the the first and then only hero of Earth Prime back pre-crisis. And they take him and do a, a an evil version of him or whatever when we get, you know, Ultra. <laughs> Which, uh, it's like, that that almost reminded me more of Prime from the Ultraverse. Yeah. And then when there was mention there of Maxima and Almarac and stuff, it's like, those are actual characters that were part of the Superman mythos and whatnot. And I don't recall if Ultra with two A's was part of that or not. But again, it was, we've got this character from Pre-Crisis, let's do a, a new version. And this was not a good version. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. I, I assumed
1: you wouldn't like the, the portion where he chews and chews yeah. the gem out
0: of his forehead
1: and leaves a big bloody hole. But
0: Yeah. <laughs> and he but you could go to almost any page and you could say, well, I would imagine you wouldn't like this, maybe for a different reason or whatever, and you'd probably be right because there was not much in this comic I liked. Yeah, a lot of it was really, really weird. And, and you even get that bat creature with the big eyeball. Yeah, that was kind of gross with the thing getting dispatched.
2: Yeah,
1: it, 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 but it takes a bigger part in the the next book. But it was just weird. I, I hate saying that, but it was so meta and just so bizarre. And he's telling a story, but at times, I don't want to say it felt incoherent, but it felt like he was on a trip and we're not there with him. <laughs> so we're just, it's like meeting a crazy person on the street and they're having the weirdest experience and they're trying to explain it to you. Someone who's been used drugs and you're just like, man, I wasn't there. I didn't experience it the way you did. And it comes across completely insane to me.
0: There was actually one part I really liked, but it was it was too little and far, far too late. Oh, okay. Which part was that? It was the final caption. Oh, caption? What was that? Put the comic <laughs> down now. <laughs> hey, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> this is just, it was so not for me. Doug Monkey's art fit the story. I'm not crazy about his style. He's a good artist. And again, it fit this book, but this got just so beyond metatextual, and I knew going in it wasn't going to be for me, both this time and, of course, the original time, but I thought maybe it would work better for me this time. It did not. Yeah, the way that this is ending, it's just like so bizarre that when they're talking about
1: the DC films, they're like, oh, this is going to be the basis of what we're building on. I'm like, I hope you're leaving, leaving out this last portion <laughs> as you're building these films. Nobody wants to see this.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine anyone
0: would want to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this just didn't work for me. Me neither. What did you think of Multiversity number two?
1: But that was another one that I just, honestly, I didn't care for. I felt like he didn't stick the landing, and it was, once again, very weird, a little bit meta. It wasn't as bad as the last one, though, I think.
0: I would agree with that. It was it was better than the, the Ultra Comics. It was still fairly meta. Totally didn't land the ending for me. Me neither. It took many, many, many years before we got to the Justice League Incarnate you know, series to kind of pay off a little on this. And that's a question I had for you. Do you feel like that is the purpose of
1: Multiversity to kick off this Justice League Incarnate? Is this their, their origin, basically?
0: It's their origin, but I didn't think that was the purpose. I thought the purpose was to- Organize the world or- Well, they'd already, well, yeah, kind of to do that, but they'd done some of that in 52- but to explore it and to get people excited about it. Okay, and I, I feel like it did that. Well, somewhat. if it did, then we would have gotten more stories based on these worlds in the intervening time.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I feel like there was like four or five books that I was like, oh, this is cool, but you never see it again. Unfortunately, you never see it.
0: Well, I think some of these were decent ideas. I think if Multiversity had been written by like Mark Wade or Jeff Johns, Yeah. Or a combination of them, maybe get a few others involved too. You could have gotten some really cool stuff, but this was so much in Morrison's mindset. And particularly once it's like, okay, the savannas are all over the place and we've got this metatextual stuff, you're hitting a narrower audience at that point.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's a missed opportunity in that they, when I say they, you know, the editorial or maybe the writers and creators or whoever wanted to do it. I think this is like something where they could say, hey, we could dedicate maybe a couple books, three books. Hey, an exploration of World X, an exploration of world, blah, you know, the, the Marvel one. Pick pick your number, 33. <laughs> and and have like a really cool creator, maybe like a Mark Wade, or maybe like a, a whoever, Jonathan Hickman, because he was not working at Marvel at that time, flesh out one of these worlds and give it like life and make it People excited about it to where other people can maybe run with the idea later on.
0: Well, I think part of it is that makes sense to do. I would do it as a miniseries or two a year devoted to some other world or a combination thereof. Yeah, but the minute you feel you've got to say, "Okay, here's all 52," and granted they held back seven, yeah, nothing ever came of that, and you made it sound like something would, so that's a swing and a miss. And it'd be better to have worlds like Injustice Gods Among Us where Tom Taylor pretty much had free reign, started yeah. with an iconic DCU-ish, and then kind of went in a particular direction. Whereas yeah. here, that direction's already prescribed for you on so many of these worlds. It really limits the storytelling options in some cases. Yeah, I would agree.
1: Because, yeah, if you took Tom Taylor and you're like, hey, you're doing an Earth-X story, it's basically another Freedom Fighter story. And you already know the Nazis won and the under- the underdog rising up.
0: It's more likely to be a – whatever they called their Justice League story.
1: Yeah, yeah, very true. I, I can't remember what they called it <laughs> for the life of me. That's I don't know that I,
0: they named it, to be honest.
1: I, I don't think they did. <laughs> but the, it's literally – it would be their Justice League, and maybe it's that redemption story. Who knows? Maybe they, they turn against the SS powers that are. and Well, they are the powers that are. Yeah, they are the powers, So, or, or they reform, and they're not as bad or overbearing. Who knows?
0: But if you tell that story, you're essentially telling a Freedom Fighter story without the Freedom Fighters. Very true. <laughs> the point of that world is the Freedom Fighters. So, introducing an Evil Justice League or a non-evil Justice League or whatever, it it dilutes the point. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Imagine how Thunderworld Adventures would be if not only we got the Shazam characters, but they were encountering their Justice League. Yeah. Yeah, It would lessen the Shazam characters. I, I mean, looking at what they built in there,
1: and, and this is not me, but some people will probably be cheering for the Justice League characters because they really like Green Lantern. And you got Uncle Sam and a bunch of so-and-sos on the other side. And I wouldn't doubt that some people would be rooting for the bad guys. And I don't think that's a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really don't think that's a good place to be. <laughs> I know what you mean by now. Instead, he created... And Justice Gods Among Us, and he also did the uh, Camelot or uh, The, the whatever Dark Knights of Steel. Dark Knights of Steel, yeah. But in
0: both cases, he basically was able to tell the story and want it. It just happens to be a new world. That's cool. Uh, that's how I think the multiverse should expand.
1: Yeah, and you tell your limited story and you're in and out, and they collect it and you enjoy it for what it is, and you don't have to revisit it 150 times over.
0: Well, oh, if you've got a good story, revisit it, but don't do it out of obligation. Yeah, I agree. You know, And they had the opportunity, particularly after this, to do the equivalent of a JLA-JSA crossover without necessarily even the JSA, have the mainstream Justice League go crossover into Earth-20 or Earth-whatever, you know, have an adventure and and rinse-repeat next year with a different world.
1: Yeah, and that's unfortunate that they didn't do that because in this issue, this last issue, you literally get pages where like, oh, Earth-18, here's the Western guys. Yeah. I'm like looking it right out. Earth 17, not even a page, like a, a upper third of a panel. Oh, here's whatever the, these guys are. Oh, here's Earth 51, the commandy guys. Oh, here's Earth 20, the. I can't remember what the heck it is. Well,
0: that was the Society of Heroes, I think. So, yeah, in
1: 36, 26. It's just like whipping through them, and then you get like all the characters. But one thing I did notice you get all the multiversal characters, but you never get our characters. You know, the main. CC characters that we know and love.
0: A few things I want to point out about the two-page splash. Okay. Before we get there, back when the Savannas are running and stuff, and we got the Marvel family. Okay. Mary's in a white costume. Yes. When we get to that two-page splash, there is a Mary Marvel in a red costume. What happened? (laughs) Different Mary Marvel, presumably. Ah, that's weird. I wonder why. Now, I do want Hmm. to point out that there is a Saturn girl and a cosmic boy in here. I do have this currently on my Legion reading list, but other than them flying, floating there, they aren't in, I think, the rest of the issue. They really aren't. So I may take it out of my reading list for the Legion. But again, we get a bunch of characters. They're all standing around. And what I think a lot of modern creators lose sight of about what made Crisis on Infinite Earth's work wasn't that we had these crowd scenes, it's that we had these characters doing things and having meaningful moments, meaningful to at least to themselves, if not to all the readers and such, versus just standing around.
1: Yeah, they were trying to save their world and help each other. Um, So you had characters from different worlds who'd never seen each other trying to come together for the common good. And here, they're literally just standing around flexing.
0: Well, like there is a black canary with a bow and arrow. Yep. So is she like a dark arrow, a black arrow? What's up with that? <laughs> I don't know where what earth I would even go to to find out more about that
1: yeah it, it it's weird. You have like all kinds of characters like I, I, you have cyborg in the middle, like right down there at the bottom. you have a cyborg. a cyborg, but I'm like, it's not the cyborg we know. I'm like it's it's some other cyborg, and I've seen President Superman. I've never seen the
0: Superman with the the Afro that's the Sunshine Superman. He was in the guidebook.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, all right. I probably saw it and I forgot about it, but
0: it's just a- well, you probably saw half a dozen Superman in there too, so of course it, it, you forgot true. it. <laughs> that's true. I think but, he's I mean, from the the planet that has Prez Earth forty seven. I think. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I mean, there's just so many things in here, and, and just seeing the Savage Dragon floating above all just makes me laugh.
0: <laughs> Again, do we need an image world? I think not. But I don't think we do. But apparently, DC does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they do some interesting stuff, but in this issue, it was just so chaotic. It was so crowded. We get a little bit of payoff with the little chibi characters, but even that I felt fell flat. I agree. Yeah, it did fall. You know, it it was there and then it was kind of gone. And then we're, we're bouncing around and we get to this whole bit of when I solve the Rubik's Cube, all hell will break loose or something like that. And I'm like, Yeah, what is with this Rubik's Cube fixation? I
1: don't understand that. So the, it, he's just working on the puzzle the whole time and it's just it's bizarre. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. The, they called him the super judge. <laughs> the super judge.
0: Yeah. Well, this is the evil version of the monitor from the first issue.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, one thing I was going to ask you about cuz we're right in that basically that section. You get to the whole thing with Captain Carrot and the mm-hmm. I'm getting my my head taken off here. <laughs> the panel right below where his head's being held by the, the chimp, you know, and they're holding it. Okay, you literally have like a Marvel world, I guess, where like they're killing like the Marvel characters, some twisted version of myself, you know, it's me and he's killing the Captain America, but a guy who looks really Mm -hmm. like Captain America and you get like the bad guys are made out to look like the Marvel guys in here. I thought that was hilarious.
0: You've got multiple worlds of Marvel and I think at this point they're on Earth-7 that had died and maybe been reanimated and this is the Earth-8 Marvel characters fighting after them. Neither of those caps look like the American Crusader from the comic in Masterman. Yeah. Multiple Marvel. <laughs> like Yeah, Marvel versus Marvel, but it's it's weird.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, it's bizarre.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It it didn't make a whole lot of sense. They take the cartoon physics to a whole nother level with Captain Carrot here. Yeah. Weird. And that was not how Earth C used to work. But this isn't Earth C, this is Earth I think twenty six is what they said it was in the guidebook, but I don't know. I I didn't care for a lot of this.
1: Yeah, I guess the woman Aquaman. I can't remember the characters' names or if they ever named them. I I don't think they did name them. It's just a woman Aquaman.
0: Oh, is it? Thu- Aqua woman, we'll say. Aqua woman. Okay,
1: but she takes on the cosmic being playing with the Rubik's cube, which just seemed like, huh? All right, that was pretty easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was that, and they're always saying how many moves he is away from solving it. And yeah, it's funny because we do get to a point where he's got 10 re- moves remaining after Aquaman's kind of taken him. And I'm like, I'm looking at that cube, and you're like one move away.
1: Yeah, it looks pretty much solved. I'm like, why are you saying it takes 10? Yeah, it, it was just weird, really weird. And then do you see the Gentry anywhere else? Or is that just in this book? I don't remember reading the Gentry anywhere.
0: I don't recall but that's not to say they haven't showed up somewhere else. I don't think so. I don't know.
1: Yeah, let me see. Is a group of powerful beings, I'm trying to see their – I went to like a DC database, current members, allies, enemies, creators, Grant Morrison and Ivan Rice. So apparently not. Multiversity is the place where they came up. And I, I don't remember seeing them anywhere.
0: I don't think they've been used since, but I could be wrong on that.
1: Yeah, they're made to be like the ultimate bad guys, the, the, the all-powerful. And yeah, they, they literally go nowhere.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of this goes nowhere. I I didn't get why the Flash had to go read all the comics. Me neither!
1: That was weird. I was like, what what are we doing here?
0: (laughs) And then he goes off and goes and, you know, finds, you know, recruits all the other Flashes. It's like, did you need to read any comics to go do that? That doesn't make sense. And then he solves the Rubik's Cube and all hell is going to break loose. It's like, yeah, it didn't really seem all that big of a deal. And then somehow it becomes like a Trans Matter Cube. Maybe, maybe not. I i didn't follow a lot of this. it seemed
1: incoherent, like he was just jumping around with no rhyme or reason.
0: There was a lot of shock and awe, and I never really got to the point of why does this monitor guy have a monkey anyways? Why is he dressed <laughs> like a pirate? I don't know it's just it's weird, like I said, Grant Morrison was on acid when
1: he wrote these last two books I think that that's my best guess, and i I hate to say that, but it felt like that that's how it felt. It felt like someone was taking something and writing this. And, and then literally after you get the Justice League Incarnate, you get then another thing with that room full of characters that are just like standing around. Everyone just chilling.
0: Right before they're standing around the table when they're on I guess this is when they finally get to Earth 7. I may have been mistaken before. Yeah. There's a mention of, you know, the previous victim multiverse 2. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't remembered that multiverse 2 was even passingly established before it was used over in Dark Crisis. I think it was used better there. But granted, it's here for, what, a panel or two with nothing other than it was a victim. And not hard to do better. Yeah. But then, yeah, when we get to that, they're all standing around the table of, well, now what? It was lackluster because it's a crowd scene. Nobody's really doing much other than standing there trying to look thoughtful.
1: Yeah, they're, they're just hanging out. And, and you go a few more pages and you get the Justice League incarnate and then you get the mega crowd scene.
0: Well, technically you get Operation Justice incarnate. Yeah, yeah, yeah most of these not all of these are the members of justice league incarnate when we get to it you know a couple of years later and then yeah we get to a scene in the hall of heroes that's supposed to be evocative of some of the scenes over in crisis on infinite earths yeah that's what i knew they were going for
1: cuz it's set up similar like the little floating platforms and all mm-hmm. but it's it's not as grand of a scale because you don't have george perez doing the work yeah and Nobody's really doing anything. There's a floating head talking, but that's about
0: it. I don't I don't know who's talking. There's just words. I think the yellow is supposed to be Harbinger. Okay, Harbinger. The, okay. The floating head there.
1: <laughs> that's what I figured. I assumed it was the head,
0: but <laughs> we got a Saturn girl floating around in the background doing nothing again.
1: Yeah, just floating
2: there.
0: <laughs> and apparently, you know, they, they save the monitor and he hits them up for rent money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Woo! It didn't land the ending. I'm trying to think with the Rubik's Cube if they made a reference to God's number or not. But they kept going of, you know, we need so many moves or whatnot. And God's number for it is an actual thing with the Rubik's Cube. It's the minimum number of moves needed to solve it from like a worst-case scenario, which has been proven to be, you know, 20. So, of course, this guy didn't know how to solve a cube to save his life anyways. <laughs> I enjoyed this more than Ultra Comics, but that's not saying anything
1: that that's where I was. Ultra Comics that just totally threw me for a loop. This one was a little bit better, but it wasn't much better.
0: It was better, but it didn't really recover from.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And if I had left that crowd scene near the end at the Hall of Heroes thinking, "Wow, I'd like to go follow these characters as they leave." You never will. One we never will, but it was at least would have been cool to to have thought that. Yeah. The whole thing I think was a good idea but a not great execution, and I think there's a lot to be said for having an active, vibrant multiverse, particularly at DC, which they've always kind of had, they've just ignored it at times. Yeah, Even when they didn't officially really have one, they would go do Tangent or Stanley's Just Imagine or Injustice Gods Among Us or something like that. So they were still building it out. They just weren't leveraging it.
2: Yeah,
1: I agree. It's something that's there, but we don't see it very often. And when we see it, it's it's done real quick, it feels like. And so you me coming in, I feel like I never really get to see these characters. I'd never know who they are because it's a lot of times my first time
0: seeing them because they're, they're so rare, their appearances. You know what I would do with the multiverse is I would bring back Snapper Carr, who was kind of the DC Rick Jones. He was a sidekick to the Justice League for a while, essentially, or their mascot or whatever. Okay. And at one point in the 80s, they gave him teleportation abilities, Okay. which I think they've since kind of disavowed, but whatever. Snap his fingers, he'd teleport. I would do something like that, except give him multiversal teleportation powers. Have him be able to just kind of go wander the multiverse and do, for lack of a better term, kind of a Rick Jones story that way. Yeah. You that'd know? be cool. He's encountering versions of characters that he, he knows and they know a version of him or they don't or whatever. And, you know, he's, he's networking across the multiverse.
2: Yeah,
1: and arguably, and honestly, some of the worlds are more interesting than others.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Some some of
1: them they don't need to revisit them very often, but some of them I'd like to read or I'd like to see. There's some that I found here, and I was like, oh, that'd be a cool thing to to go visit. And you know, they they could do a series where he's going to the better parts of the DC multiverse, and it would be maybe a fun read. Or even some of the lesser
0: parts of the multiverse, and then build them up. Yeah, make
1: them interesting to us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, imagine you know, Snapper's gotta gotta lie low, and just hide in plain sight, but winds up on the cartoon animal world or the Bizarroverse or whatever. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some fun stuff you could do, but all of these worlds effectively ending in some kind of of crisis leading into this, and I didn't feel we got payoff on those worlds being in a better state after this. So I think some of them are perennially in crisis. It 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 was a little lackluster and. I felt reestablishing a few worlds, particularly the one with Lord Volt and Lady Quark from Crisis, kind of undercuts their their tragic story from Crisis. Yeah, I agree. Bringing back an Earth Two that's not Earth Two just kind of confuses me. Yeah, and the whole
1: concept of there being crises crises on all these Earths it took away from the impact of Crisis you know, of real crisis, because it's literally just him saying crisis over here, crisis over there, crisis over here. To me, it just, it diminished it a little bit.
0: Yeah, but imagine if every year at a particular time, they did a four-week weekly series. Yeah. And it's crisis on whatever earth and Justice League or Titans or whomever come in, do their thing, get out, you know, explore the multiverse a little, tell a cool story, do something different. You know, pull out all the stops, what have you. That could be a cool concept too. Never going to happen. And if it did, they'd probably not put the right talent on it.
1: Yeah, very true. It it feels like this was built to set up something and the something never happened.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of
1: unfortunate because DC put a lot of talent to this book. Some of the best artists, Grant Morrison, I'm sure did not work for cheap.
0: Well, we had Ivan Rice on this issue, uh, Doug Monkey on on, uh, Ultra Comics, Jim Lee on Masterman. We had other top talent on the other books. So yeah, they they put the effort in. It just didn't pay off.
1: Yeah. Which is just really kind of, I don't want to say it's sad. It just feels like almost a waste of effort. And I I hate saying that because it was enjoyable for what it was at some points, but it, it just
0: could have been so much more. It was an investment that didn't pay off.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you see the resources here. You see the potential here. I think they picked the wrong writer. Yeah,
0: I think so too. Yeah, I think if they had done this with four or five writers, that you know, again, uh, a Mark Wade type, a Jeff Johns, I'm trying to think who else would be some other good ones, and some people that are actively working on a couple of books, to where that not only could they be building up the the multiverse, they could be building things that they were going to be playing with in the coming years in their titles.
1: Yeah, honestly, you want to know what I thought think would be cool? Mm. This is just an imagine a what if. This would be a great what if issue. <laughs> Imagine when Hickman left Marvel and he was basically doing nothing, just some indie work, and then Marvel picked him up again. And there's a lot of rumors that DC had, was talking to him at the point. Mm-hmm. If DC had pulled him in for a project like this, because he's really big into that world building and setting the stage and doing that stuff, I think there would have been so much excitement coming out, like, like we had with the Hawks Pox thing, you know?
0: Yeah, if they could have come out with the multiverse at DC having the level of excitement, energy, and springboards that House of X, Powers of X had, absolutely, they'd be terrific.
1: Oh my gosh, you'd have 10 books coming out of this, and you'd be so jazzed. You won't be scrapping the main DC books like they did with 52. You'd just be like, hey, here's this other cool 10 stories over here. Read these too. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I just would like to see them discover a few new worlds that are are not carbon copies either of the mainstream DCU or some other publisher, or just something from a Elseworlds story of years past.
1: I agree. So my fingers are crossed for good things in the future, but I felt like the story did not stick the landing. Nice effort. I was not bored in this at all. I just felt like it went off the rails with the
0: last two issues. For me, I'd say the last three issues, but yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: You didn't like the Nazi Justice League story. <laughs>
0: It wasn't what I went in there wanting – And well, the, the thing at the beginning implied a matchup between Uncle Sam and Overman, and that somehow Uncle Sam was going to come out ahead through cheating, and it's like, but we never get any payoff on that cover. Yeah. So the cover was a bait and switch. Yeah, it really was.
1: <laughs> and you, you notice how I kept saying Uberman and Uber this and Uber that? That's from a series of Avatar where they did a World War II series. It's like mm-hmm. an alternative history where the, the Reich created superheroes first, and then later the, the the allies started creating their own superheroes, and that's what they called them, Uber, Uber this,
0: Uber that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I would have expected the Germans to have called their Superman, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of German. Yeah, definitely a German word.
0: <laughs> so I I think we get a little bit of payoff of this years later with Justice League Incarnate and a few things here and there. But it's limited. But It's, it's really limited. It's limited, it's insufficient, and... I liked how pre-Crisis, maybe they went a little crazy in a few areas, but they could do some fun stuff like Captain Carrot teaming up with just a lot of animals on Earth C- and some stuff like that. And I don't feel we've got that level of character interplay across worlds, Yeah. even if we're still getting some of those worlds, be it the Jurassic League or, or, again, Dark Knights of Steel and some stuff like that. There's just a lot more potential but anytime we've got somebody like Grant Morrison just saying, I'm going to go create stuff and it'll be great, it's cool and all, but it never pans out. I mean, yeah, the Japanese characters he created in, was that Final Crisis? There were, there were a couple of things. He was setting up the Great Ten and a few things like that.
2: You
1: just never see it again.
0: They're footnotes in the DC history at best. That's, it's disappointing.
1: I, I remember, okay, now, now this is a rewind for the people who are listening to the first time we recorded on Multiversity. But. I remember messaging you on Slack and saying, wow, this is really cool. I'm mm-hmm. digging it. You know, basically saying, this is, this is, I'm liking this. It man. started so well. Because I got excited for all these worlds. And the next logical step for me, first time reading Multiversity, I'm like, where do I go next? And the answer is, you don't. <laughs> there's literally, I feel like there's no path to go down. I mean, you can sample the characters with Venditti's run on Earth X, but that's not really the same as this story. It's,
0: well... If you want to explore about half these worlds, what you need to do is go find all the various Else worlds, whether they were called Else worlds or not, and read those because that's where you're going to get a lot of these characters.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of like you almost have to go to the past because in the future from here you get nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's how I, f- I feel. You just that's that's how it is. It just drops off a cliff, and and that's really the part where it's like a, a, a little bit depressing reading this. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, c- missed you- opportunity. Excitement to off-the-rails to depression. What a great trip it was.
0: (laughs) So, again, I enjoyed reading them. Me too. I was ultimately disappointed again, but it's a cool idea. I just think it was, was, like you said, the wrong writer.
1: Yeah. Hey, good pick, because you mentioned this. I'm glad you let me read this with you, and we reviewed it together. But like you said, eh, I don't think I'll read it again.
0: Not a total loss, though, because I do think we need to find the original Freedom Fighter's series from the 70s. I think you'd enjoy that.
1: Yeah, I want to read it. Uh, let's review that.
0: Find some good stuff from All-Star Squadron, or at the very least, as we start hopping through the JLA-JSA crossovers, I think that's the way to give you a proper introduction to what I consider the true DC multiverse pre-crisis. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, I've I've got some notes on that. We'll just start slotting a few things in. We'll probably start with uh, Flash of Two Worlds and maybe one or two other things that, that prep us for the original JLA-JSA crossover. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm looking forward to it. And Good exercise,
1: and I'm glad, like I said, even though I felt like it didn't stick the landing, I'm happy we reviewed it. It was good.
0: Yeah, same here, same here. Anything else? No, that does it for me. Cool. Recording clips for the preview Spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the Preview Spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the ComicPage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next Preview Spotlight.